Here we are in week number three of our series, Reimagine, a series that will lead us to a refreshed missional mandate and our missional motives. Uh, more plainly said, perhaps, uh, this series is leading us to the what and the why of our life in Christ. It is a series that is inviting us to use our spiritual imagination to flex our creative muscle as God's word has us reimagine reality from a different perspective. And I'm, I'm hopeful that you've been able to join us over the past two weeks as we've been shaped by the prophet Ezekiel, uh, whose prophetic vision to Israel about their future life informs our own picture of the future church. You see, we quickly, quickly learned that the future church must and will be different. Namely, that in this season, the church will be primarily about going rather than coming. Uh, primarily about being out there than cloistered in here. Uh, we will be God's transformed people ushering forth from his presence like a trickle. But who, but who by God's Holy Spirit will turn into a torrent as they carry the good news of Jesus, who has died and rose again into the mission fields. Last week, we put to bed that kind of incomplete idea that the mission field is a place way over the sea, right, where the bugs are bigger than birds and where something other than English is spoken. As Jesus sends his 84 disciples into the mission field, we read last week that he sends them into living rooms and into kitchens, into neighborhoods, into towns, all to places that he was going to go himself. In other words, the mission field for God's transformed people, for you and for me, are the places, friends, where we live and where we work and where we play. It's the everyday ordinary of other everyday ordinary people. And so thus far, we've been asked to reimagine the future church and to reimagine what is the mission field. And today, we'll be asked to reimagine disciple-making. How is it we are to make disciples? We're going to be asked to reimagine what is the mission that Christ gave to his church. Now, I want to be, re I want to be really careful uh, because, quite honestly, the mission of Christ through the church never changes. Uh, let me say that again. The mission of Christ through the church never changes. It has been the same since the commissioning of those first disciples to make more disciples. Uh, but, but sometimes, friends, sometimes we, we hear things so often or we read them so many times that the meaning, right, the, the true meaning has often been lost. Uh, it's, it's similar to that old, old story of why you're supposed to cut the edges off of your meatloaf, right? You, you know why you cut the edges off of your... Some of you are like, no, I've never heard that before. You, why do you cut the edges off your... 
All right, so, so here, here's the thing. When asked by kids, right, to their mom, why do you cut the edges off your meatloaf? Mom's answer is, well, my mom cut the edges off the meatloaf. And so you ask grandma why it is she cuts the edges off the meatloaf, and she says, well, I don't know. I guess it, it cooks better, but I don't know. My mom cut the edges off the meatloaf, so I cut the edges off the meatloaf. And if, if you were to ask great-grandma why it is she cuts the edges off the meatloaf, she says, well, honestly, because the pan was too small. <laughs> See, I feel like you and me, I feel like you and me, and probably other Christians as well, we, we've heard the mission of Jesus Christ so many times, so frequently, that we can't remember what it actually means or why it actually matters. We just know it because it's what our mother said and it's what her mother said and it's what her mother said. And so today we're gonna allow God's spirit to shape, to reshape our understanding of Christ's never changing mission through his church, but hopefully, Hopefully, we'll hear the mission in a new way, in a way that will be fresh with energy and excitement. So uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. You're going to want a Bible, uh, the one you brought or the one that's here for you. Matthew chapter 28, we're going to begin at verse 16. Matthew chapter 28, verse uh, 16. Now, as you're finding it, a bit of context, of course, uh, this is, this is, when we arrive here, this is post-resurrection, right? The disciples, the disciples have been on like a roller coaster of an emotional journey, right? From the elation of Palm Sunday as, as King Jesus rides into Jerusalem to take up the throne, to the disappointment of Monday, Thursday, and Jesus' revelation that he will betrayed, be betrayed by one of his own, or to the absolute despair of Good Friday, where all of their hopes and their dreams are crucified with Jesus on a cross outside the city. And the, and the almost uncontrollable joy of an empty tomb and a resurrected Lord. It has been a roller coaster of emotion for the disciples. And at this point, the disciples have been basking enjoy, right? The time they get to share with this resurrected Jesus. And I, and I have to imagine that the disciples are like, what's next? I mean, this week has been crazy. So what is possibly next? What's, what's going to be next for us and those who are with the resurrected Lord? Well, here's what's next. And that's what we're picking up on. So Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. In other words, they went back to the north of Israel, back actually to where all of this began, where the ministry of Jesus began. In some ways, it's actually coming full circle. So they go to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and when they saw him, uh, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now we know, interestingly, we know that from the end of Luke's gospel, 
and the beginning of Acts that shortly after Jesus says this, he ascends into heaven. So, if I'm the disciples and I've been through this roller coaster of a week, I'm thinking, what's next with the resurrected Lord? Here's what's next Jesus splits. Like, he's out, right? He's like, see ya. I'll be back someday. It's on you. That's what's next. The disciples, the disciples are now responsible for bringing the good news of Jesus, his death and his resurrection, the forgiveness of sins and life, and life abundant that is to be found in him. It's their responsibility to bring it to everyday people every day. That's what's next. Now, I know we've said this before in other series, but what's next is this. Jesus is basically saying, disciples, you are my plan A for reaching the world with the gospel. And there's no plan B. I'm out. So let's look, let's look with a little bit more detail at what that means to suddenly inherit the mission that Jesus himself has been working, but now is in the hands of the disciples. Let's look at the commission a little bit more intently, but here's the deal. I actually want to start at the end of the commission. So let's start then this morning, I guess, at verse 20, the back half of verse 20. Here's what he says. He says, behold, behold, pay attention. I am with you always to the very end of all the days. Now, no doubt, no doubt that when the disciples heard that the mission of Jesus was given to them and it was their responsibility to accomplish it, no doubt their brains took off, right? They, They started having a conversation in their own head, like, what? I, I'm, I'm not tra- trained for that. I haven't learned enough things for that. I, I, I don't actually, I'm just an everyday Joe. That's who I am. So no doubt the disciples become so overwhelmed by the mission and their responsibility for it, before, their responsibility for it, that they, they actually stop listening to Jesus. I know that you've had this experience, actually, when you're listening to someone and they say something that's maybe powerful or meaningful or challenging, and as soon as they do, you stop listening to everything else that they're saying because your brain took off, right? You stop listening after that meaningful, powerful, challenging moment, and you don't hear what it is they're actually saying. Their words turn into Charlie Brown's mom. Right? I think this is what the disciples is happening right now. Right? We've had this experience. And so Jesus, Jesus knowing that their brains are taking off and saying, hey, hey, pay attention. Listen up right now to what it is I'm going to say. And what does he say? I am with you always even to the very end of the age. (laughs) Jesus doesn't want the disciples to be so overwhelmed by the mission that they don't hear the promise. He doesn't want them to be so overwhelmed by the mission 
that they don't hear the promise. I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. I mean, Jesus would basically say, though I'm going away to the Father, even though I'm going to split you, you are not alone. In fact, in the book of Acts, he says this, but wait for the gift that my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So friends, the commissioning The giving over of the mission to the church, the giving over of the mission to the disciples, that commissioning comes with a promise that Jesus is with us to the very end of the age, that he is with us until the Father declares that it is time to create a new heavens and a new earth. The mission of Jesus is carried out through the disciples because Jesus is with them. So that no matter where they go, he is with them. Even as they head out like a trickle of water into the everyday lives of everyday people, as they head out into the mission field of of kitchens and couches and living rooms and grocery aisles and workplaces and gyms and school hallways like a trickle, who through their going and empowered by Christ who is with them will turn into a torrent. And as Ezekiel promised, dead things will come alive and a community will flourish. Jesus gives the mission to the church. He gives it to the disciples. But friends, we can't be so overcome by the mission that we miss the promise. So we have to rest in the promise that Jesus is with us until the very end and into every place that we go. Resting then in that promise, holding on to that promise, we can get our hands around the rest of the commission. So we're gonna look at the kind of the rest of what we know to be this great commission. You're gonna, you're gonna have to let me nerd out for just a moment because in this case, the nerding out actually matters. Uh, the main verb in the commission, in other words, the focus of Jesus, the main point of all that Jesus has to say is this, make disciples, make disciples. The main point, the focus, the main verb is this, Make disciples. What is it? Make disciples. That's exactly right. The point that Jesus is saying, he's trying to give is to make disciples. To invite others to orient their lives around the life of Jesus. Around his abundant life. And friends, disciples who have been brought in who have bought into that abundant life of Jesus will naturally invite others into this life. Uh, This is, by the way, how a trickle becomes a torrent. As God's everyday people walk with other everyday people every day to simply live out the abundant life of Jesus. The commissioning, the mission is to make disciples by inviting others 
into this abundant life that we possess. Now, some of you are probably saying, okay, that's mostly clear, but, but maybe Pastor, you can give us just, just, just a few more points. Be a little bit more specific. Help the rubber meet the road. Qu- quit being inductive. Start working deductively for me. Can you, can you just tell me what it, how does one make disciples? Now, friends, this is going to require some spiritual imagination. Right? This is time we're going we're gonna, to, like that, flex. It's a sad picture of flexing. But we're going to flex, right, that creative muscle. Because when we go back to the text and we read it carefully, how do we make disciples? It's right at the beginning. How do we make disciples? Here it is. Ready? Not at the temple. Jesus doesn't say to the disciples, hey, you know what I want you to do? I want you to go to the synagogue. And there, get behind a pulpit or a podium and just start preaching to people and disciples will come. That's not how you make disciples, actually. And here's where we have to let God's perspective help us reimagine what disciple-making looks like. How do you make disciples according to Jesus? Simply this, as you go. The Greek text literally says, make disciples as you go. As you go forth from this place, as you leave the church like a trickle, as you go into the places where you live and work and play, as you walk with everyday people every day, as you go, Jesus says, make disciples. Disciple-making, disciple-making happens as we go. And as we go, We make disciples by inviting others into a relationship with ourselves, but not only into a relationship with us, into a relationship with the Jesus who is in and with us. As we go, we invite people into a relationship with us, but not only us, into a relationship with the Jesus who is in and with us. We invite them into the abundant life that we have in him as we keep and guard and obey and observe his teachings, as we live out his life, as we live a life of of repentance and belief, of confession and forgiveness, of lament and praise. We make disciples as we go, inviting people into a relationship with us, but also into a relationship with a Jesus who is in and with us. And church, this is really important. We do that not as a perfect people. But as we go, we do so as an imperfect people with a perfect Savior. This is what it means to make disciples, to walk with everyday people every day, as we live out the abundant life of Jesus. And what is that abundant life? That abundant life is a life that is rooted in Christ Jesus. See, Jesus reminds us in John chapter 10 that he is the gate. Here's what he says. Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep, and all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. 
but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Now, we should be really clear here. There is, there is no life apart from Jesus. There's, there's not an abundant life apart from Jesus. And this abundant life that Jesus talks about, it, it comes at a cost, right? In that same chapter, Jesus goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. And so when the, he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, there's nobody else who's going to lay down their life. Nobody else who's going to die so that you and I can have life. This is how we're saved, that Jesus dies our death so that we can live his life. And for you and me, friends, that gate, that gate is captured in the waters of baptism. As Paul would say later in the New Testament, in some mysterious and miraculous way, you and I, we are connected to the burial and the death of Jesus so that, like him who was raised from the dead, you and I might be raised to new life. Some mysterious and miraculous way there in the waters of baptism is the gate by which God's Holy Spirit draws us into a relationship with Jesus. It's there that he marks us as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. It's there that he calls us daughter and son. It's there that we meet Jesus. Jesus is the gate. And he says in verse nine, he says, I am the gate. Uh, whoever enters through me will be saved. And they'll, they'll come in and they'll go out and they'll find pasture. The thief will come only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come, right? I have come that they may have life and life to the full. I love just this little bit of text. I am the gate, a reminder right, that it's only in Jesus, rooted in Jesus, that you and I can have abundant life. And when we do, we will find ourselves in a rhythm of coming in and going out, of coming in and going out, of coming in and going out. That Jesus has come to give us in that rhythm of coming in and going out, he's come to give us life and life abundant. You see, our life together here at Holy Cross will have a rhythm of coming in and going out of coming in to get fed and fueled, coming in to confess our shortcomings, but also to receive his mercy, coming in to sit underneath the word, to listen and to learn as Jesus, by his, his Holy Spirit, shapes and molds us, shapes us in his grace, a coming in to receive the gifts of his table, to taste the body and the blood of Christ for our forgiveness a coming in to be encouraged by one another, a coming in to be taught and trained and transformed by our Lord, but also, also a going out, a going out to the mission field, to the places where we live and work and play, going out with eyes that have been made wide open by God's Holy Spirit to see those people who come into our path, 
a going out to see the work of the mission as a privilege and an honor, a going out to walk with everyday people, a going out to love our neighbor, a going out to be salt and light, a going out like a trickle to invite others into the abundant life that we possess, to invite others into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in, and they will go out, and they will find pasture. I've come that they may have life and life to the full. See, this, this friends, is abundant life, right? Being rooted in Christ, learning and living His Word as we engage in the rhythm of coming in and going out. So where does all of that leave us? Uh, maybe, maybe like disciples were just standing there on the hillside as Jesus ascends to heaven. But this, this is, friends, the mission. And it is the mission for the people of God. This is the missional mandate for Holy Cross. The disciples, you and me, we would walk with everyday people every day as we live out the abundant life of Jesus. You know, I, I imagine the disciples being like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm responsible for what? <laughs> it's up to us? Even as Jesus ascends to heaven, right? I find that his ascension into heaven is like Jesus' exclamation point. Yes! <laughs> right? Exclamation point. It is up to you. And maybe you, like those same disciples on the, on the hillside saying, wait, what? <laughs> it's up to us? We're responsible for the mission? Uh, Jesus is saying, exclamation point, yes. The mission is yours to carry out. Friends, as we live out this missional mandate to walk with everyday people every day, even as we live out the abundant life of Jesus, as we do so, we rest in the promise of Matthew 28, 20, that he is with us always. As we live out this missional mandate, we do so resting in the prophetic promise of Ezekiel that a trickle can turn into a torrent as God's transformed people are ushered forth, as they go, right, we rest in the promise that the good news, which is carried by God's transformed people into their everyday lives every day, it will accomplish God's mission, that he will make sure of it, that dead things will come alive, that he will transform a community, and that he will bring about flourishing. So church, as we step into the future, we do so with this simple missional mandate, this mission that Jesus has given to his disciples of walking with everyday people every day as we live out the abundant life of Jesus. We are his plan A, and there is no plan B. So, may God's Holy Spirit not only give us the courage 
and the strength and the endurance for this mission. But may he remind us of a God who is ever present as we, his disciples here at Holy Cross, walk with everyday people every day to live out this abundant life of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may that peace of God which surpasses all human understanding, may guard and keep our hearts in Christ today and every day. Amen.